there, everyone. Thanks for joining me on the first episode of Rock City Radio. Today, I sit down and chat with Dallas Casper, who's a longtime friend and singer-songwriter. We talk about his new album, Lucid Dreaming, as well as his influences, his musical evolution, and his newly found alter ego. At the end, we also sit down and have some fun talking about one of our favorite topics, the new Apple Keynote. So sit back, relax, enjoy episode one. Thanks for hopping on with me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. I'm, yeah, I'm honored. Uh, is this this is the first episode? Yeah, yeah this is the first Sweet. one. I, tr- I tried to record like four or five other ones awesome. and it just didn't take, so I was like, I'm just going to go into it. So Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm honored to be on the first episode. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, man. So, I, I, you know, you and I have known each other for a while, and I've always <laughs> known you as an artist, and um, one of the things that I we talked about the other night that I didn't even realize is we never really talked all that much about our influences or what are what are um how you and i connect on music like what our uh likes and dislikes are so i'm kind of interested to find out you know growing up what were some of your um the things that you remember about music what took you there what were some of your influences right so growing up um well my mom was a musician and so like i i remember even like in my earliest days of childhood she was always on the piano and singing she played in like church context right so she was she was always practicing those songs and playing on the piano and um and i would always go up to the piano and just you know tap on some keys i didn't know what i was doing but you know i was i was interested and um yeah like growing up eventually i got to the age where where uh people were joining band because i was in like fifth grade people were joining band and my parents were like hey do you want to join band and i was like uh no, I want to play guitar. Like, all right, well, that's not a band instrument, but we'll get you a guitar. So they get me a guitar, start playing that. Um, I don't remember which came first, but yeah, yeah. So I had lessons, and then I don't remember which came first. I either started playing in like church bands or started writing my own songs, but that was kind of happening concurren- concurrently. And um, yeah, like the church band thing, not really my scene anymore, but what it did teach me is it it taught me, it gave me a lot of like stage experience. It taught me like basic song structures and all that. And, um, around that age, I was really getting into music too. And the first thing that I really got into was like the kind of like emo alternative thing that was big, like 10 years ago. That was when I was like first getting into music. I was probably in about middle school. So a lot of the early bands I listened to were like from that, kind of subgenre of like alternative and metal some of the like heavier bands um and then eventually as I got older branched out more and more got into like hip-hop and then and then some more indie stuff some electronic stuff and then now like lately I've been going back and like hitting a lot of like classic rock but really yeah my taste has been pretty broad over the years so a lot of influences but I think that probably that early alternative rock mixed with like the church band experience is definitely pretty formative like those were my like early years of getting into music so so how about yeah yeah that's 
Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, you know, the, the church dynamic. I mean, I knew that about you, but I think that that, you know, listening to your music and, and kind of knowing who you are, it gave you like a, it gave you a, a really good soul for this project. You know what I mean? Yeah, like some yeah. people come from it from um, just a purely sit down and calculate the music. But for you, I think it's sort of like a, you, it's a feeling and, and you yeah. can definitely tell that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you make a, you think you make a really good point there. Because like my very earliest years of making music, it was like an expression of the soul. It was a very like spiritual thing, growing up like with like church music, and I think that that never has really left. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, that's I, think awesome. that's, I think that's a good observation. Yeah, man. So yeah, for me, I mean, I I grew up. Uh, the earliest thing I ever remember listening to my mom was. It's interesting that both our moms were were musical because she was in the band too. Right. Um, her, her, my first thing I remember hearing was Elvis Presley. Um, you know, that was like the constant, always on the radio, always in the car. She was a huge Elvis Presley fan. And just, you know, that from the very beginning, I remember like listening to uh, the GI Blues soundtrack and like Girls, 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 Viva Las mm-hmm. Vegas, all that stuff. And um, I probably the first couple years were all about like the 50s and 60s not even really 60s like 50s like you know jerry lewis um we listen i listen to jackie wilson a lot so like you know lonely teardrops and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um and then uh eventually over time it kind of started like you said like kind of started to branch out and i remember the first thing that really like blew my mind was listening to the first album by the traveling wilburys okay and uh i was like i was like oh my god because at the time i didn't know who any of those guys were but yeah, you know, it's George. Har- it's George Harrison, okay, Tom sweet. Petty, Bob wow. Dylan, uh, Jeff Lynne, oh, and Roy wow. Orbison. Yeah, I didn't know so they, all, it, they ever all like teamed up like that. That's yeah, pretty man. Cool. They have uh, they did three albums. So the first, the first album and the third album were Traveling Wilburys. The second album was actually Tom Petty's first solo album. Okay. But they all played on it, and it's like widely considered to be the second Wilburys album. Okay. Um. But it's like, it's, you know, it, it's, it's got that classic 50s, 60s rock kind of thing to it. But then you have, like, you can tell all their influences. And it just is like, I was like, what is this? This is awesome. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that kind of like laid the bedrock for everything else I got into later in life. So great. Sweet. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. So as far as you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but your changes in style, you know, from the beginning to now, how far away from where you started do you think you are or is it pretty much do you think it's like kind of in the same thing oh it's yeah it's definitely come a long way um yeah there was one like there was a pivotal moment i think in my sound where like i think my i think my first like three releases there's they were mainly like you know i i was still under well i guess technically my third one i was a freshman in college but like that i was like still kind of young and figuring it out like I, was, I think i wrote my first release when i was in middle school and then second one high school third one high school and first year of college though they all kind of they have kind of like a i i felt like they they had like a um not the most like original style per se like i was starting to get like i, I think my i liked my second album a lot by the time i did the third one i'm like okay this is getting a little old like they're mainly like you know acoustically driven love ballads and like um i need something original i need something Mm -hmm. that no one's ever like heard before um 
so I was in college. I was pretty busy. I didn't have like a ton of time to write music. But one one semester, I went abroad to Scotland, and I wasn't really planning on making any music there. I didn't bring my instruments or anything like that. I mean, but like, but admittedly, what I did bring is I smuggled a tab of acid into Scotland. Dropped that, went on top of this, <laughs> I, I dropped that, and I, I went on top of this, like, plateau over the city, and I was up there just, like, having the best time, and I just decided while I was up on that mountain, like, all right, I'm going to go down into the city, I'm going to buy a new guitar, a recording interface, some software, and a microphone, and I'm going to write a new album while I'm in Scotland, while I have the inspiration of, like, traveling around Europe, and I'm, I'm going to do it, so... And that was the first time, like, after that, that was the first time that I ever, like, recorded my own stuff, which was actually really, like, that was really, like, uh, revolutionary, actually, for, like, my sound. Like, because, so, I, and I also was using, like, computerized instruments, like, digital instruments for the first time, too. On, that, that was for Tripping With The Lights Off, my, like, fourth release. Right. Um, and, and so... Um, so yeah, so I so I go back down to the city, you know, I buy all that stuff. And oh yeah, so recording my own stuff, right? So so recording my own stuff, like recording my my music myself gave me the opportunity to just like take as long as I wanted on a song. I wasn't like wasting anyone's like studio time. I could like literally take a year to finish a song if I wanted to and I I did on that album like like there were songs I like started them. I like put them in. I was using a FL Studio, it's this uh, digital audio workstation. I'll like start it, get some inspiration, and then like I'll be like, oh, I don't know what to do with the rest of it. I'll like sit on it, and then one day, like you know, maybe months later, it would dawn on me. I open it back up and record something, and like, it, so I could really take my time with it and really innovate and like like toy with the software and like, um, you know, just really like let the creative juices flow, like more so than like. Uh, if I just like, you know, writing on my piece of guitar, the other thing that it allowed me to do too, is just like layer instruments in a way that I couldn't like when I would write music prior to that album, it, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't like layering things. I was just trying to hear everything in my head, but like, I'm, I'm a solo artist, right? I couldn't like get a band together and be like, all right, let, let's try this combination here, you know, cause it was just me. Like, but when I have that computer, like when I have the digital audio workstation and everything, I can record a part into it. And then start like playing stuff on top of it, adding beats, adding bass, and like really filling it in. Um, but yeah, so that's that was a huge shift in my sound. I think also though, like I was trying to make a statement that my my days of like writing acoustic love ballads and like religious songs was over. So that that album's like pretty explicit too, which was a big shift for me as well. It uses like mm. electronic influences. I also found this like falsetto voice that I'd never used before. Um, so that was a huge shift. That album, I actually came up with my new sound while like sitting in this brewery in Scotland, just like chilling. The song popped into my head, and it, it was used falsetto. It was, uh, you know, um, uh, it was something like we drink till we drop, we smoke till we choke, but we laugh till we love, and the emotions roll. I'm always gonna have to maintain my buzz. I'm always gonna have to maintain my buzz. And I was saying that, ran off to my like flat, and just put it down, like recorded it. Um, and it was like, and and that like started to 
be the foundation of my new sound. Um, funny enough, mm. though, I did that song didn't make it on the Tripping with the Lights Off. Like, it was a good chorus. I liked that chorus. Didn't make it on there. And so I, like, now I'm, I'm actually using that chorus on my new record, Lucid Dreaming, um, which follows suit from that new style. I, like, recorded that whole album, like, in FL Studio by myself in my apartment and then went, like, flew to Philadelphia and recorded it with my producer, like, finalized everything. Spent, like, a week with him. I guess I should really talk about my producer, too, because that was actually a game changer as well. But, but yeah, that's, like, that's, that's, that's kind of, like, part of the process. That was, like, that's pretty much the pivotal point where I, like, really reinvented myself. It was, like, around that Tripping with the Lights Off album. Right. For the most part, yeah, they, they do definitely parallel things that are going on in my life. Like, writing my first one in middle school, you know, I'm, like, getting into dating. For the, like, you know, that whole experience and, like, then the one in the one that I wrote, so the one I wrote, wrote in high school, like first serious girlfriend broke up with me, so it's like a pretty sad one. I think the one where I was going into college, I like really didn't. That one is actually probably like to me lacking direction the most, because like I was a freshman and I was like, oh, it's like it's been two years, it's time for me to release a new album, but like it was like time for me to reinvent myself, but I hadn't really figured out how to yet. So that one's kind of like holding on to my like previous style but like not really i don't know i feel like it was like over for me at that point and i like so, that, so i don't know i think that one to me that one's kind of like i'm not like super happy with that one to be honest and I, mm. but i think that that helped me realize that i needed to do something new which was like really important um but yeah and then yeah tripping with the lights off was like later in college i think it was like i released that when i was like a senior and so i had had like some of the like eye-opening experiences of like getting out being independent like finding myself type of shit and like you can definitely hear that in that album and then my new one like graduated from college out on my own now and uh i would say the new one the new one tells a different story and it's hard to put this one in context because this one's like pretty close you know it's like it's happening right now type of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, it would be easier if i was like looking back on it but like the new one's kind of like a story in some ways, I guess I, I like feel like it's, it's like the most cohesive one I've I've written. But I think it's like I don't know. The last couple of years for me have been like pretty, uh, I guess like turbulent. They've been all over the place. Like um, with you know graduating from college, moving to North Carolina, getting my first real job, becoming a father. Like a um, couple of like failed relationships in there too, and like. So I, I kind of wrote this album about, like, it's kind of a story about, like, the process of, like, my tendency, when I, especially when I was younger, but less so now, to just, like, fall in love super fast and hard. And then, like, with people who maybe aren't right, and then it just, like, falls apart and, like, fucks shit up. And, like, um, the consequences of that and, like, eventually the conclusion that I make at the climax of the album of, like, how to, like, fix this, which I'll, like... Um, leave that to the listener to decide but it's actually like it's actually it's like a story of like a very common thing that would happen to me like in the last couple of years and it, it's subtle it's like a subtle you can't really tell that it's a story unless you like think about it but every song like tells a different piece of it from a different angle they all have a very different mood they're like it's cohesive but really eclectic but yeah i think that they all they've all kind of mirrored 
some part of my like you know growing up like adolescence and into like early adulthood they've like mirrored those events like pretty pretty closely yeah the the things you were talking about you've been going through i mean it's even though it sounds like you've had some some good highs and some maybe some not so good lows it it definitely it definitely gives you some bedrock for being an artist oh yeah you can really pull some good stuff from that yeah you need that as an artist like I, I, I don't, I don't tend to write music when everything's going well, to be honest. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's funny. I already wrote another EP, even though I'm not, I haven't even re- released Lucid Dreaming yet. And I don't know if it'll ever get released. I tend to write a lot of music, but I have a, I have a, a five song EP that I've written even at, before Lucid Dreaming is out. And that one, that one is actually particularly dark. I was going to call it the dark EP because it's like, I, I actually had this metal band that I started when I was here for a while, but like it didn't work out. And some of the songs I had written for them, I like, wanted to like still use. And um, they're not like, you know, I'm not using like my growl vocals or anything. I could, but I would avoid that if I was going right. to release it under apparitions of myself. But so it's just like, it's like right. a darker style and I kind of dig it. So we'll see what I end up doing with that. But yeah, just, just, just to your point that like sometimes like, you know, those hard times is really inspiring as an artist. Now that EP that may or may not ever see the light of day, is that all still acoustic stuff or is that with the band? Oh, no. Um, so it's not neither. Um, it's like, okay. it would be like, you know, full band type of thing, but it would be like, like most of my newer music, it would be me and my producer recording all the instruments and then I'd have to figure out how to play it live. But I actually okay. do have an approach for that now. Like, I know we, we like mentioned like phases of, um, my growth as an artist, like reinventing my sound was one that we already touched on, but like coming up with my live approach is kind of what I'm, that's kind of the evol- stage of evolution that I'm at now. I've like invested a ton of energy, time, energy, and money, right? Like lately into like my live setup. Um, cause I'm still primarily solo. I may have a drummer for some of my shows, but I like got this like MIDI setup where I can, like, trigger all my backtracks. It's not just, like, playing karaoke, because, like, you know, I could, like, put backtracks on just to, like, play the album, like, like exactly right. like like I recorded it. But, that's like, what's the fun in that? People don't go to shows to, like, hear the album. So I got right. this, like, MIDI pad where I can trigger, like, sections of the song or, like, individual instruments from sections of the song. So I can, like, play my songs, but I can play them however I want like in the moment if i want to like repeat the chorus like 16 times you know i, I have that flexibility since it's not just like a, ba- a karaoke track and just to keep looping that part so but I, i'm probably going to try to get like a drummer at least but yeah when, when i do stuff in the studio it's really just like me and my producer playing all the instruments interesting so, yeah. okay so how um how long as far as the recording process goes you know now that you're doing it with a producer and stuff i mean how different is that than what you've done before is it shorter is it longer is it a lot more involved like i because i've never been in the studio so i don't know but you know for for someone like you who's been doing it for a long time how has that changed um, what comes out at the end it is awesome just well i mean first of all he's like the most talented person that's ever recorded my music by a long shot so that alone like as far as sound quality goes that's great but like he's also like, I've had sound engineers. I've recorded in studios before. Like, even my first VP when I was in middle school, you know, like, like recorded that in the studio. But the thing is, the guy who recorded it, he, he didn't claim to be a producer. He was like, I'm a sound engineer. I just push record and make it sound good. I'm not going to, like, you know, 
He's not producing. Yeah. He's not like giving his opinion. He's not like playing instruments on tracks really. Like he's just I push the record button. This but like this guy I work with now, he's just like he's a producer, you know. He like I send him all my songs. He's like he he puts his own like ideas into it, which is awesome. And he also just is like a really like really talented at basically every instrument. So if there's anything that I like feel a little weak on, I can like he plays it, you know. It's like so it's pretty great. Mm. Um, I generally I'll send him like pretty finished tracks, but sometimes he'll be like, "Okay, like these drums are pretty generic. Let me just record some live drums." So I don't have like a set here, you know. I just like you know put loops in it in the tracks and things. But but yeah, so he's just like adding his own touch to it. But yeah, his name's Adam Stir. He like plays right now. He's playing for the EDM act Grammatic. They're like internationally big like they tour all over the world they sell out shows in like paris amsterdam like everywhere like he's like a professional musician like he it's his job it's his job he doesn't have like a day job like he he just he he does the touring with grammatic has a studio he gives lessons and like that's all that's like all he needs which is pretty great hard to make a living off of music but he's doing a great job right now that's awesome and i and i imagine you know like we've been saying that the music it kind of shifts and changes and lives a different life because you've got all these different elements and layers to it. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, this is actually the cool. first one I did like in his studio too. Like tripping with the lights off, I actually like had finished, kind of finished recording it. I like emailed him that stuff and was like, "Hey, can you help make this like really pop?" But this new one, I, like, did the same thing, like, sending the whole tracks. But then I followed up by, like, flying to Philly and spending a week there with him, like, like working on it. So it's, like, just put a lot more time and energy into this one in that way. That's awesome. Yeah, man, it's, it's uh, I'm excited to hear it and, and kind of see what, uh, what this next phase is going to be for you. It's pretty cool. It's been interesting watching and listening to you so far. So sweet. It's awesome. Next thing let's touch on is this persona. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it, so I'll kind of let you do the explaining. But it's been definitely interesting, and and, I'll, and you know, watching uh, some of the videos and stuff that you posted online, like I haven't seen you in a while, and whenever I saw you in these videos, I was like, oh shit, like there he is, like that's <laughs> I get I get it now, you know. Right, what I mean? right. So kind of fill everybody in on on the the, the change there. So are you talking about the Dallas Casper versus Justin Eister persona? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the short story is this. I was like hanging out with this girl one weekend and like I've been reading this music marketing book, right? And it talks about artists who have chosen to go by an alias. And, you know, it's just like one section of one chapter and like mentioned that. But I was hanging out with this one girl this weekend and she and she just like tells me hey, I'm going to call you Dallas. Like, Justin's too generic. Like, everybody knows the Justin. Everyone's dated to Justin. Everyone has a preconceived notion of who Justin is. Like, you look like a Dallas. I'm going to call you Dallas. And I was like, so, and that name just immediately stood out to me. I was like, Dallas? Yeah, I fuck with it. I feel like a Dallas. Like, I, I, I like that name. And so then right. I was thinking back on the stage name idea, and I was like, all right, I need a last name that goes along with, like, apparitions, like, like ghosts and things like that brainstorm for a while decide to go with casper like the famous ghost 
And so that was, it was pretty much born then. And like, I was, I think I probably was like a little drunk. Like I had probably a couple PBRs that day <laughs> and I was just like, all right, I'm going to change it on Facebook. And like, yeah, even the girls was like, are you sure? Like, it's like a 60 day commitment. I'm like, oh yeah. And I just like change it. Just like, you know, like on a false kind of, and it's like a 60 day commitment, but like, it just grew on me more and more. I was like, hell yeah. I, I really like this name. And, um, eventually i know that you that i said you read that blog post that i sent but like eventually right it's on my website like about like detailing this but eventually they kind of grew into different personalities where like dallas casper is like my life as a musician like justin justin eister is he's like you know he's the responsible one he's the he's the engineer like he's he's the one who works the day job and pays the bills he went to college he's a dad you know Dallas Casper is the wild one, you know, he's like, you know, playing shows and getting tattoos. It's funny too. Like I, I only have tattoos on one half of my body on the, only on the left side. And I've always done that because I'm like, <laughs> I have these two different sides to me where like one of them is responsible. The other one's an artist, you know, like I've always kind of felt that way. I'm also a Gemini. If anyone like knows about astrology, that's very typical of Gemini's. And I, I didn't even know what Gemini meant until very recently, but I've always kind of like embodied that too, like the two halves, the twins. And um, so, yeah, Dallas Casper and Justin Eister, they're like the Gemini twins. They're like two halves of the same person, but very different. So, yeah, kind of like split life living with those two identities. It's, it's kind of fun. But, yeah, it has, it has a yeah. utility too. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I like to keep those things separate, you know. Uh, so I was just going to ask, I mean, do you, does it ever, uh, how, how do you manage both sides? I mean, cause it, you know, I know, I know, um, listening to what you're saying, it seems very easy that you, know, you have one side that does this and one side that does that, but actually living it is maybe gotta be something different. Yeah. There, I mean, there is some like bleeding, like, I guess generally like when I'm at work, I'm Justin or like when I'm like watching my son or something like whenever I have to be responsible, you know, but you know, at the same time, people at work know about apparitions of myself and they like see the, the, the things I post, you know, we have a very, I mean, like where I work, it's a very like professional atmosphere. And so like, it's not like, it's not like there isn't any bleed in between the two. Like, but yeah, it's, it's while, while you're on the, while we're on the subject too, it's, I always like, mess with my family as well and like my friends and stuff like like since i started doing this like split identity thing i like mess with them by like having fights between justin and dallas just like just for fun <laughs> like i'll just like be texting or like having a conversation with them and like i'll just i'll just start goofing off and like fighting between the two it's it's pretty funny it's <laughs> awesome do you think that that comes from any of your upbringing in the church or no? Uh, you know what? I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, it definitely could because, you know, there definitely was that whole aspect of like having to put on, like put on a face for like my parents in the church of like being like kind of perfect, I guess, you know? So like, like being like, you know, holy and like, pure and all that other stuff that from the church and you know it's not totally realistic you have that other side to you that like you know that is like human i guess yeah. so so uh so yeah you know i never really thought of it that way but now that you mention it that, that, that makes a lot of sense that, that definitely could have played into know, it 
Yeah, I because I, I know that's how I feel. You know, growing up Catholic, uh, like you know, every going to church every Sunday and like having to to live life. And then once I got out of the house and started actually like experiencing things, I'm like, this is way different than what yeah. I've ever been taught. So yeah. then all of a sudden, I had these like two different like every weekend I was going to church, and then you know Saturday night comes and I'm getting blitzed off my face at a bar somewhere. So <laughs> totally. it just like didn't make sense. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, interesting. Okay. So then how, how, uh, close are you to finishing this album? Is it like almost in the can? Are you still kind of mixing it or like, where are you at in that process? Right. So yeah, I, uh, so I was in the studio early February to now April. I, so it's, it's definitely in the mixing phase, but I'm hoping like, I'm really, I tried to give my producer like a deadline. We'll see how well that works out. You know how artists are, but, um, Right, but like <laughs> I was really so really like the deadline that I was shooting for is like in a week to have mixing and mastering done. Do I think that's going to happen? Maybe not. I think maybe mixing will be done. Mastering is usually pretty quick though. The guy who's doing mastering is actually a separate person. Um, but that's actually pretty quick. But so because I really want to, I really want to really actually order the vinyls in about a week. So a week from Monday actually, which is what tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. So so yeah, that's so I um we'll see. But I really really like next week I was hoping to order the vinyls. Uh and then there's some like lead time on getting those in. But pretty much once I order the vinyls, I'll be ready to like set a release date. I have enough of my checklist like checked off for like things that I need for this release that I, I would be comfortable setting a release date now. There's a couple more things that I still want to do, like order T-shirts. I haven't gotten around to that yet, but I have a design, and I want to um, I want to hold this giveaway. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. That's going to be like a record player, like a T-shirt, a bunch of stickers, and the new album. Um, I'm only releasing on vinyl and digital, but yeah. So I, I think I'm really just awesome. finish up mixing within the next week, get mastering done. Hopefully next week, sometime, probably late next week. Um, order the vinyls, set a release date, start hitting up venues. That's awesome. So it's coming. It's around the bend. It is right around the bend. Yeah, I think we're getting nice, the end of mixing. I think that I think that um, I feel like Adam's probably like, yeah, you know, he has a little bit of a tendency to procrastinate. I think most artists do. So like, if I give him a right. deadline. He's probably going to finish it up pretty close to the deadline. But you know, that's cool. Right. As long as it gets done. That's awesome. All right, cool. So, uh, streaming vinyl, and where where can people go to find information on the album? Um, yeah, so my website is really the most rich source for information. Uh, it's apparitionsofmyself.com. Um, but yeah, it'll, it's going to be on streaming services. You can buy it on. You can buy the vinyl version on my website once it's out. Um, but yeah, you know, like Spotify, Apple Music. Amazon, whatever people use, it's going to be on there. Um, not doing a CD this time, though. I think I had to accept that CDs are dead. It's a tough like thing right. for me, but it I, sucks. Yeah. yeah, I was a collector, you know. Yeah, I, but you I'm know what? You're doing vinyl though, and vinyl is just like the the sound quality on vinyl. Everyone knows is so much better. So I think that's the that's the smart play. Yeah, I you know I think when it's interesting because when we recorded this album, like all the processes we were using, we were trying to really use the best of both worlds from digital and analog when we recorded it 
And I think that releasing it on vinyl and streaming services is like staying true to that spirit of like taking the best of digital and vinyl or like analog and digital rather. Um, Cause like really streaming is awesome. If you're going to consume stuff digitally, it like you need to be subscribed to like Spotify or Apple music. Like the, the, it's really the best like experience. And then when, when it comes to like analog, it's vinyl all the way. CDs don't really have a, a place in the modern world anymore. Like, yeah. yeah i mean I, I, I was working with you when they like stopped putting the cd slots in computers i remember that i was kind of yep. upset about that back then <laughs> uh within the last year or two that like you can't really even buy cds that much anymore going to like you know any stores best buy or whatever like they, they just don't yeah they're gone i was one of the it's last crazy because it's... i really was yeah <laughs> i have a big collection. Yeah, it's crazy because you don't like i remember you know, when CDs were breaking, like my first CD I ever got was uh, uh, Hell's Bells or Who Made Who by ACDC. Oh, and I was like, ah, it's like so excited to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, now, yeah. like 20 years later, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to add it on my music on my digital library. Oh, like, it's what? so great. It's so great. Like every yeah. time I, every time a song pops in my head or like someone recommends an album or anything, like it's just download right there. It's on my phone now. Like, yeah. Instantly. It's so yep. great. I, I can't believe I held out for a little while, but it, it's really, it's, it's so <laughs> sick. Like, get any song anywhere in the world, anytime, for, like, a super low cost. Like, it's it's dope. Yeah, and I feel like, too, you know, when people talk about uh, streaming versus physical, you know, the, the argument always is sound quality. And really, like, unless you're an audio engineer who yeah. has, like, $1,000 headphones, you can't yeah. really tell a difference. No. You know what I mean? No, you can't. It, it's... <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. That was something that me and Adam, my producer, talked about, like, here and there. Just, like, the, the types of people that are audiophiles and what it means to be an audiophile. He has this opinion. Like, his view of what an audiophile is is, like, those people with, like, $10,000, $100,000, like, preamps for their, like, $10,000 right. speakers. And they're, like, they're, like, a couple grand, like, record player. And they, like, spend all this money on, like, sound equipment and stuff and, like, need to have the best of all that stuff. My My idea of an audiophile actually is more, like, more just like a trait of a person that they can like hear really fine details and things. There's definitely some overlap, right. but definitely not everyone who spends all that money on equipment is actually my definition of an audiophile. Someone who can hear all that detail. They might think that they are, but that's right. not always not a one to one match there. Some people just like to blow money on stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, even yeah. Me, I, though, I, have a pretty I good think ear. you have to know the music. Yeah. I mean, I have a pretty good ear, but I'm, do I feel like I need to have like thousands of dollars of equipment to appreciate a song? Hell no. Hell no. I can appreciate a song through like right. the shittiest of earbuds. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I can tell it's not the same, but I'm not really listening to that per se. I'm like getting into the like mood of the feel of the song, not really paying attention to the fidelity all that much. That's just me though. I guess people are different. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there, there's things I'll listen to that I, I, I can hear a difference, but it's because I know the music so well. Right. Like, you know, when Zeppelin did all those reissues a couple years ago, you know, like I was listening to like Zeppelin 3. And since I've been loving you, the most prominent trait of that song is the the squeak of the pedal. Yeah. The, uh, the, the drum pedal. The, and and like, you know, I could hear that. I've always heard that. But when they did the remaster, it would just sound a little bit different. Right. And, 
there are people like, oh, this is sounding different. Like, okay, well, I mean, you just don't know the music. But, well, uh, you bring up an yeah, interesting so point. I don't know. I don't really subscribe to the theory that 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 what. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna say you, you bring up an interesting point though, because like the things that you're talking about are attributes of like the actual recording, like when they recorded it, like that's not you know, you know like like that does make a big difference, but like the equipment you used to listen to it. I think makes less of a difference. If you, I think it, I think probably the like the thing that has yeah. the biggest effect on like the fidelity of the music is really how you recorded it. So, like how you mixed it, how you mastered it. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you know the headphones are are going to make a little bit of a difference, but really, it's it's how it's recorded, mm-hmm. and that's why sometimes whenever you have this stuff that's like re-released in HD audio. I'm like, I don't, I don't buy into that because if it's not recorded that way to begin with, it's not going to sound that way when yeah. you put a coat of polish on it. You yeah. Know I mean? You can't add extra information to something that it doesn't, where it doesn't exist. You know? Awesome. All right. So then the website to find out information on lucid dreaming is apparitions of myself.com. Yep. Check that out for the release date coming up soon, as well as your giveaway that you're doing, which is pretty cool. Um, get some get some sweet uh, get some sweet merch off of Dallas, and and uh, you know help kick this thing into high gear. Sweet, yep, definitely. Cool, man. So the other thing that we've always had in common is our love of Apple, and, right? Uh, so I'm interested to kind of get your take on some of the stuff going on right now in that world, and you know. Do you use any of that stuff in your recording process, or is it just more of, you know, your day-to-day life kind of stuff? Right. Well, so I, I would say, yeah, I'm actually recording on – I'm recording on a MacBook now. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, when I when I knew you back in the day, I was not using Apple products back then, but it was probably more that I couldn't afford them than anything. But um, – right. I think the thing that's really inspired me lately, though, is less like it's less to do with what they're doing right now and more to do with the fact that I like read up on their history. I like read the biography of Steve Jobs and I like realized that there's something very special about that brand and their husband from the beginning. And that's this. They care about every single aspect of the user experience beginning to end. Like literally they care about things that the user will never even see like the insides of their computers and like the, the way their factory looks, they, the way their packaging looks, they, they're like literally like there's, they've always been so determined for like every single aspect of the user experience from purchasing in an Apple store so they can control that experience, purchasing to like unpackaging to using. And like, that's just so clear in every like part of their products. And I think that the, the thing that inspired me about that is just that like me as an artist, I have to care about every single aspect of the user experience too. Like that, I really like draw, drew a parallel when I read about that, that like I need to care about what my packaging looks like, what my website looks like, what my live shows look like, what my Instagram looks like, you know, like every, every single part needs to be tended to and consistent across the board. Like you don't cut corners anywhere. Like, and that's something that I really like got from them. Um, but yeah, I just, I just really think like, and you know, I'm a, I'm an engineer, I'm a software engineer, and I'm like, I, not, every, not every company really understands that you really, like, have to devote yourself to the user experience. It's not just about having great technology. 
It's about right. making things for people, you know? So I just think they've always done the best job at that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I've always said about Apple in particular is that, you know, everyone's like, why don't you use a case on your phone? I'm like, because it's designed it's to be held and used a certain way, and it looks the way it looks for a reason. Like, I don't want to cover that up. I mean, yeah, yeah it's a $1,000 phone now, but, you know, it just makes you want to take care of it even more. And, and yeah. you know, I'm not going to hog it up with a bunch of extra plastic bullshit that doesn't need to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe um, I should take mine off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, like, a little, like, a really super thin, like, silicone case on it just to sort of, like, a, a wraparound, but, like, nothing touches a screen or the corners or anything like that. And yeah. I don't know, I've, I've always been that way. But, and then the other thing, like you said, the user experience, I mean, I've never been able to, that's part of the reason why I use this stuff is because I've never had the experience of any other tech company where I can just open something up, log in and all my shit is already to go. Like yeah. I'm using it within like totally. five minutes of opening and you it. immediately know how to use it. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, it's really intuitive, and it's really like you once you learn how to use it, it's like it's like like riding a bike. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you know how to use an iPad just from using an iPhone. It's crazy, right? And and I mean, you don't even you barely even have to learn how to use it. Like my one and a half year old son yeah. can use a fucking iPhone. It's crazy. Yeah. Like like he he just like he'll see it on the floor. He'll walk up, press the home button, and start like tapping on yep. it. Like it's it's like, dude, you're a baby. Like, yeah, like it's. It's nuts. Like it's just so in, it's so intuitive, and like that is, I mean, as as an engineer like, in this field, like that is a huge feat. Like that is a huge feat to be able to make like super advanced technology, like like second nature for people who've like never even seen it before. Right. It's that's it's just it's so impressive to me, and they're the only company that's ever really been able to do that from my perspective. And I have yeah. all these, like, engineer friends that are like, oh, no, use Linux. And I'm like, dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I use Linux Terminal. Don't get me wrong. Like, everybody does in my field. But, like, right. the Mac has that, too. They have the they have the Linux Terminal. They have the best of every world. I think right. the only thing I would ever use a PC for is, like, gaming. That's it. Like, yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, and, and I think that's where the, the stigma comes of, like, Apple people being really snooty. It's because, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I earned the right to be snooty yeah. by using shitty products. Yeah, yeah. And now and now I have stuff that actually works. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? totally. <laughs> yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited for this stuff coming up. I mean, it was interesting that they released all the products, like, the week before the last keynote. Like, they had the new, iPod, uh, new um, iPad. And all of a sudden, like, the AirPods 2 came out and then, like, all this other shit. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, what are they saving for the keynote? And then they hit the keynote. It was all services yeah. with Apple TV Plus and the Arcade and all the other stuff that they're doing. And I was like, holy shit. This is, like, a whole other – whole. this is, like, the next phase. You know what I mean? It's going to be awesome to see what they do. Yeah. I have some insight about the Arcade in particular. I, yeah. I know why they're doing that. It, it's – you want to? Know, it's 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 really like kind of funny and really simple. There's one reason why everyone is shifting their model in gaming. Fortnite. That's like Fortnite yeah. changed the entire game. Like everyone is having to adapt to Fortnite now. It's crazy yep. because like nobody is paying for games anymore. Like the it's so it's like hilarious. Like all you should look at the stock market for gaming companies over the last year plummeted. No one's buying their games anymore. It's right. like, why would I pay sixty dollars when there's this free game and I can just like, and it's engaging and like I don't have to pay anything. 
so so really like I, I was I was watching like these uh these like you know economic analysts from these different gaming companies talk about it like yeah you know Fortnite's killing us man like we got to respond to this <laughs> somehow and I think the answer is subscription services like like we we need a Netflix for gaming we need like a subscription service where you like pay one fee and you can play all the games you want that's the only way we're ever going to compete with Fortnite like that's I mean, if you think about it, though, that's how Netflix works. That's how, like, yeah. Apple Music that we, and, like, Spotify that we were just talking about, that's the model they've shifted to. That's the model that TV and movies have shifted to. Gaming is, like, it's very, like, it's the next logical choice for that format. Like, people yep. aren't buying, like, people aren't making, like, one-time purchases for media anymore. Right. Like, that's over. And gaming yeah, is I mean, the last, they're, like, getting on board with that now. And, like, Arcade there's... is just another example. Microsoft's doing the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, there's there's so many games that I have on like my iPad that I were free, but I bought in with add-on stuff and it's just like buying a game for the Xbox and then buying DLC, but the problem is, is I'm not spending $60 on the game initially yeah, and then having to spend like an and then an extra $100 on the content. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's just like people don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Not when there's stuff like Fortnite out there disrupting the whole market. And it's that that game's so the game is so crazy because, like, the stuff that you buy in that game, it doesn't affect the, the like, how, how, like, it doesn't affect your performance in the game. Like, you can buy stuff right. in that game and it doesn't make you better, like, doesn't make you, like, get more kills or, like, whatever. It's literally just, like, aesthetic stuff. But yet they've made so much money. It's, it's crazy to me. Yep. They, they just yeah, changed I know. the it's... whole market. One it, game it really has. Yeah, it really party. has. My my uh, my kids, my oldest son is like obsessed with it, and like, he'll say shit to me, and I haven't really played it that much. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, Dad, this is like the, whatever the X Y Z kill. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about, dude? But then I realize, like, it's just that's what's happening now. Like, yeah. you know, the, it's the same thing. Like when I was playing games growing up, except I'm not parked in front of the console. Like, mm. I can take my iPad wherever and do it, and it, yeah. that's that's. That's the thing I love about the technology that we're in now is like you can take the stuff with you anywhere. Yeah, and it's all cross platform. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's killer. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's sick. Yeah, it's a it's a good time. It's a good time though. I, I think it I think it was about time that the gaming industry got on board with, like I said, like the music industry and TV and movies. Like, yeah, and and I'm excited. I'm excited for that actually. I think I'm, I haven't been into gaming for a while, but if they're transitioning to this type of approach. I, I'm interested. Uh, I'm I'm interested. I like it. It's like yeah. it's like yeah. Everyone's going to like a Netflix model. Yeah, and you know the thing is, uh, I I heard this somewhere along the line with Apple, and it's one of those things where you don't know you need it until you see it. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, I didn't know. Like I never thought about an arcade style or a subscription service for for games. Like, yeah, I do want that because that's awesome. Like, I, it's gonna do so. It's like whenever I switch from physical media to streaming like we were talking about i was mm. like i was really hesitant to me do too. that but me then too. i'm like but then i'm like wait a minute i'm spending 120 dollars a month yeah on albums me too <laughs> well, i could spend 120 dollars a year on a streaming service and get 40 million songs yeah like why wouldn't i do that of course. you know what i mean yeah there, there is yeah. something i like about holding it in my hand that i still yeah. kind of miss but but it's a it's a worth it's like worth the trade-off yeah it definitely is you know there's there's some stuff out there that's come out recently where I'm like, fuck, like I want to go buy that it's so bad, like these big, huge deluxe box sets and stuff. And I'm like, but then, you know, like I have, 
um, when Zeppelin reissued the 2007 version of The Song Remains the Same. They did a big box set in vinyl. They had all this extra stuff, you know, mm. like, uh, like um, uh, posters from the original release and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's in a box in my, in my fucking basement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I just don't have the room for it. And I love the physical content, but it's just so much more convenient now to have it in, in a digital yeah. format. Yeah, I have. So. I, I mean, I have physical. I still have this huge collection of CDs. I like occasionally look through them, but like, am I ever going to open that up and use it? No. Right. It's all in my library now. So. Right. It's just art. It's just sitting there, like, yeah, on a shelf. Yep. Look at yep. it every now and then, but does it really? Do I really need it? Uh, no, not really. Right. But I am, right. you know, I'm getting a, I'm getting a record player soon, so I imagine I'm probably gonna start buying records. I, I don't have one yet, but I'm releasing on vinyl, so obviously, I need, yeah, I need to get one. Um, I think vinyl is really nowadays. Vinyl is the only format to buy in if you're gonna buy digital or buy physical, uh, physical yep. because yep. it's just like. The sound is so much better, and it's it's just a it's a niche market, but it's definitely coming back around. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, that, that's that's what everyone's telling me. I also hear that they they sell super well as an artist too. Like you can charge like twenty dollars for that. Yeah, it sells like crack. Yeah, because it's actually something you get your hands on. Right. Like you know, spending twenty five dollars on a CD was sort of absurd to me, but I'll drop twenty five, thirty, forty dollars on a double LP yep. without even batting an eyelash because I'm actually getting a good chunk of physical content. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. Just, so they just feel good too. They, yeah. You know, it's bigger too. Not like that. That actually is kind of cool as well. It's just like a larger physical piece of artwork. You yeah, know, spent, you spend sure. all the time on the, the album artwork too. And of course you see it digitally, but to like be able to hold it in your hands, it's like painting to me, like yeah, owning a painting versus looking at it on the internet. Right. Yeah. From an artistic standpoint, there's definitely something to having that, piece you know what i mean like yeah. i i uh the the small collection of vinyl that i have i have every single zeppelin album on vinyl just because it's like ha- having those is like man like there's the presence cover or like into the outdoor like that, that that's it like this is what they released back in the day you know what i mean like, yes yeah. it's, it's it's cool to have that so totally that's awesome well hey man listen i appreciate taking the time with me today and talking it was great catching up with you Absolutely. and um, i'm i'm really excited for this new album so i definitely want to um i want to have you back on whenever after it releases cool. and you know see what see what the uh, impressions are and things like that cool, and cool. uh you know just kind of keep up and and uh, it's been interesting following you so far and um awesome. knowing you from when you were like you know 16 17 totally. to now it's like it's like man this is so cool to see it happen you know yeah, it's awesome yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's definitely, it's definitely been like a very, um, I guess like, uh, fundamental phase of development that, yeah, you've gotten to see beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. And now you're a dad, man. It's awesome. Oh so. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Cool. So the, the project is apparitions of myself. You can check it out at apparitions of myself.com. Go to streaming services, uh, and find him there and uh, listen Dallas I appreciate the time man I'll talk to you soon alright cool yep thank you All right. thanks for listening to today's episode you can subscribe on Anchor Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you get your podcast content you can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Rock City Radio Thank you.